Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Um, And as you heard uh, just a little moment ago, uh, this season of Lent, we have been uh, talking about what it means that we are God's baptized people. Um, and the, the part of the reason we're doing this is, you know, it might seem strange to talk about baptism during Lent because normally we talk about Jesus' crucifixion during Lent and the suffering that Jesus went through uh, to pave the way for our sins to be forgiven and for us to be reconciled to God. Um, but that's exactly what baptism represents. Baptism is the, the sign and the seal of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And in the early church, uh, in the early church, Lent and baptism were very closely connected because in the early church, the day that everybody got baptized, they had one day a year that everybody got baptized, and that was Easter Sunday. And so the season of Lent was this sort of like six-week-long catechism class uh, for people who were preparing to be baptized. Um, And so they would, through the season of Lent, they would pray and they would fast and they would come to classes and be instructed in the meaning of the Christian faith. And then on Easter Sunday, everybody would come together and they'd celebrate the resurrection and they'd baptize a whole whack of people. Um, And it was was a big deal. Uh, So Lent and baptism are very closely connected historically and we wanted to, um, to make that a reality for us as well. And the way that we structured this series uh, was just by walking through the passages that are in our baptismal form in the back of the gray Psalter hymnal that uh, is there in your pews. Um, and the, the Psalter hymnal, in its teaching on baptism, walks through all of these Old Testament and New Testament stories. It just walks through these stories of how God calls and marks and, and blesses a special people that he has chosen to set apart for himself. And so we started off the series talking about Abraham, and then we moved into the Red Sea. And then uh, last Sunday, Pastor Carl preached on the New Covenant from Jeremiah 31. And today, we turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And you might have noticed that in our uh, assurance of pardon after the prayer of confession. We have been using a passage from Ezekiel, that, that where God promises to sprinkle clean water on his people and cleanse them from their sins. And today we moved into the New Testament and read from 1 Peter um, and talked about how God calls us to be a, a holy people and a chosen nation and a royal priesthood. And so as we turn to the New Testament this morning, we turn to the first of the New Testament passages in the form for baptism. And it takes us to a place that we might not expect. We might expect it to take us to the Great Commission, where Jesus commands that we go out into all the world baptizing. We might expect it to take us to the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River, where the Father speaks from heaven and the Holy Spirit descends on the Son of God um, and, and announces to all the world that this is his Son. But it doesn't take us there. The baptismal form begins here, Uh, turns to the New Testament here in Matthew 26 in the story of Jesus' last supper with his disciples. Which is interesting. So that's what we're going to meditate on this morning. And as we approach God's word, let's come before him in prayer. 
O Lord our God, we thank you for the gift of your holy word. We thank you that in these words, in these stories, in these poems, in these histories, in these chronicles, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us in a way that we can understand. And Lord, we pray that as we approach your word this morning, that you would bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our ears, to open our minds and to open our hearts to everything that it is that you would have us hear and see and know and believe. Bless us, O Lord, we pray. Transform us more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Matthew 26, and we're going to start reading at verse 26. So Matthew 26, verse 26. The Apostle Matthew writes, While they were eating, that is, Jesus and his disciples, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The word of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, Today marks the halfway point in the season of Lent, this season of preparation, of meditation, of self-denial, of repentance. And as we reach this halfway point, we make a turn, as our Lord made a turn and turned his face toward Jerusalem. We turn, setting our gaze, setting our hope on the joy of Easter. The joy of knowing that the power of God's love is stronger than our sins, stronger even than death itself. We turn, placing our faith in the power of the blood of Christ, the eternal sacrifice, which confirms God's covenant and assures us of eternal life. And in this series on baptism, we make another turn from the Old Testament to the new, from the promises of God to the fulfillment of those promises. We've already heard in the past three weeks about God's covenant with Abraham, about how God chose a people from among all the nations of the earth to be his special people, a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, and a royal nation, so that through them he could bless the whole world which had rebelled against him at the Garden of Eden. We've heard the story of the Red Sea, 
How in the face of certain death, that's the wrong image. That's a little plug for Dive into Doctrine. That's our catechism class that starts up in April. Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> draw attention to you, Paul. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we heard the story of the Red Sea. How in the face of certain death, God created a path through the sea and led his people to the promised land. And last Sunday, Pastor Carl preached on the promise of God through the prophet Jeremiah, where God says that he will make a new covenant with his people. And it will not be like the old one, because the law of God will be written on every heart, and everyone will know the God who created them. Pastor Carl talked about how a covenant is made, confirmed by the shedding of blood through sacrifice. And in Christ, that sacrifice has been made once for all, the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And today, as we turn to the New Testament and the fulfillment of God's promises, we read and hear about that same blood, the blood of Christ, which is the blood that seals the new covenant that God makes with his people. It's always been a little bit funny to me that the baptismal form turns to the New Testament here in Matthew 26. Because this is not, at first glance, a passage about baptism. When we read this story of Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples, we don't immediately think of baptism. We think of the Lord's Supper. Because that's the sacrament that's established in this story. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells his disciples, do this in remembrance of me, and so we do. Paul teaches in his first letter to the Corinthians that this supper was established as a memorial and a reminder that God is with us, that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross accomplished for us the forgiveness of all our sins, and that our Lord is truly present with us in these ordinary objects through bread and wine, the mundane, ordinary, everyday items of nourishment for people in ancient Israel. Paul teaches us that as we eat this bread and drink this cup, it is a reminder that we are all together invited to the table of the Lord, that by the body and blood of Christ we are transformed and bound together into a new body the body of Christ. In our celebration of the sacrament, we are symbolically acting out what the Spirit is doing in real life through His work. As we eat the body of Christ, which was broken for us, we become the body of Christ, united in communion. The body and blood of our Savior present with us in the simple elements of food and drink on the one hand, this seems like a strange way of doing things. We don't normally think of God as being present in such ordinary, everyday things. Our tendency is to look for God in grander things, or at least things that we think are grander. Some of us look for God in systems of belief, in creeds, in theology, in doctrine, in the study of scripture, in the teachings of the church the Apostles' Creed, the Heidelberg Catechism, 
Surely this is where God is most present to us, in places where we can learn, where we can exercise our minds, where we can grow in the knowledge of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Others of us look for God in acts of service, in mercy ministry, caring for the poor, welcoming the stranger, soup kitchens and refugee ministries and service trips and construction projects for people who are less fortunate than we are. Surely this is where God is most present with us, in places where we can work with our hands, in places where we can help people, in places where we can do good works. For as much as you do for the least of these, you do for me. Well done, good and faithful servant. And many of us look for God in extraordinary experiences, in conferences, worship concerts, in those events in our lives that totally transform us, youth conventions and spiritual retreats and life-changing testimonies. Surely this is where God is most present to us, in places where we feel caught up in heavenly ecstasy, in places where we feel raptured in the overwhelming presence of God, wrapped up in the transformative power of an event or a moment that leaves us changed forever. A mountaintop experience, a memory that can sustain us through the valley. A Sinai experience, the memory of which can sustain us through the wilderness. But very few of us look for God in the ordinary, in the everyday. The idea of it seems strange, even to those of us who have grown up with the ordinary rhythms and practices of church attendance and worship. We look for God in the spectacular instead of the mundane. We look for God in the work that we do instead of in the work that He does. We look for God in words and in knowledge and in teaching instead of in physical things. Thinking of God's presence in water and wine and bread, in bathing and eating, it seems almost crude. And that's exactly the word that the Belgic Confession uses when it talks about the sacraments. It is crude. It doesn't take any faith at all to wash or to eat. Every person does these things every day. We wash our hands after going to the bathroom, before eating, after work. We eat three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sometimes we even have snacks in between. But everybody does these things. It hardly seems spiritual to wash, to eat. These can't be the signs of God's presence with us because everybody does these things. But that's the beauty of it. God promises to be present with us in the ordinary, everyday stuff of life. The Belgic Confession, one of our standards of faith in the Reformed tradition, which we believe to be a faithful summary of Scripture, says this about the sacraments. We believe that our good God, mindful of our crudeness and weakness, has ordained sacraments for us 
to seal his promises to us, to pledge his goodwill and grace toward us, and also to nourish and sustain our faith. He has added these to the word of the gospel to better represent to our external senses both what he enables us to understand by his word and what he does inwardly in our hearts, confirming in us the salvation he imparts to us. For they are visible signs and seals of something internal and invisible, by means of which God works in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So they are not empty and hollow signs to fool or deceive us, because their truth is in Jesus Christ. Without whom, they would be nothing. That's the Belgic Confession. That's what we're going to be looking at in Dive into Doctrine that tied it together. The fact of the matter is that we are creatures of habit. Our daily routines shape us and form us deeply, more deeply than we could ever imagine. Whether our daily habit involves reading the paper or drinking a cup of coffee or keeping up our snap streak or taking a walk, our habits form and shape us. Our habits form and shape who we are and how we interact with the world. And in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, God kind of injects himself, injects his presence into our mundane, everyday routine. God is present to us in the very ordinary very earthly objects of water and food, in the everyday routines of washing and eating. Throughout the history of the church, Christian writers and theologians have identified the sacraments as a kind of thin space, a thin space where the boundary lines between heaven and earth, between the spiritual and the physical, get kind of blurry. When we come to baptism, we are very simply washed with water. But that water is somehow, mysteriously, by God's grace, the blood of Christ washing away our sins. And so we come into physical contact with our Lord in a way that we can understand, not so much intellectually, but experientially. As the water flows over our brow, we see, hear, and feel the blood of Christ washing away our sins. When we come to the table of the Lord, we simply, very simply, eat and drink. But that food and drink is somehow, mysteriously, by God's grace, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we come 
And we, we see and we hear and we smell and we taste and we feel the presence of our Savior with us. Uniting us to Him. Binding us together in communion. And theologians and Christian writers have captured this, this idea of thin space in remarkable ways. The theologian Augustine, who was a pastor in Africa a millennia and a half ago, calls the sacraments the visible word of God. The sacraments are the visible word of God. John Calvin, who was a pastor in Switzerland like 500 years ago, says that the sacraments are God talking to us in baby talk, God speaking with a lisp in a way that even children can understand and experience. Christian novelists like Madeline Langle, who wrote A Wrinkle in Time, C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, and Marilyn Robinson, who wrote Gilead, paint these beautiful worlds where every drop of water is a baptism and every meal is communion. In this place, the walls between heaven and earth are thin, and God's presence kind of seeps into our everyday reality, bleeds into every part of our lives. And what this does when we're attentive to it is it infuses the everyday, ordinary, mundane habits of our lives with the presence of God. Martin Luther, who was a pastor in Germany 500 years ago, would wake up every morning and remind himself of his baptism. He would place his hand on his head where the waters of baptism flowed over his brow and he would say, I am a baptized child of God and today I will live my baptism. John Calvin encouraged every member of his church to pray every time they sat down to a meal to remind themselves of God's special grace, to remind themselves that their souls are fed by God's Word, the same as their, life, their physical lives were fed by bread and juice, bread and drink, by, by food. And everybody in Calvin's church was encouraged to pray to God. Grant that we may always, with true heartfelt gratitude, acknowledge and with our lips proclaim that you are our Father, and the giver of everything good. And while we enjoy this bodily nourishment, may we aspire with special longing of our hearts after the bread of your word, by which our souls may be nourished to the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Marilyn Robinson, a contemporary novelist, encourages Christians to pray when they wash their hands as a reminder of the blood of Christ that washes away our sins. Through these simple, everyday practices, we're reminded constantly that God is present with us in our lives, that he is always at work to transform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, as plentiful as water, as refreshing as a glass of wine, as hearty and healthy as a loaf of bread. Because the fact of the matter is, 
that this thin space is not limited to the walls of this sanctuary or the rituals of baptism and communion. The presence of God in these ordinary things does more than transform our hearts and minds. It transforms our very imagination. It transforms our desires. The divine breaks in to the mundane. The extraordinary breaks into the ordinary. The heavenly breaks into the earthly. Eternity breaks into our time. And so that feeling of hunger that we get after we haven't eaten for a while is transformed into a desire for the word of God to nourish and sustain us for eternal life. That feeling of ickiness that we get after a hard day's work is transformed into a desire for the blood of Christ to wash away our sins and be made new. Through our everyday habits, the thin space where God meets us in the rituals of our Sunday worship bleeds into our everyday lives, bleeds into the rest of the week. God's presence in these ordinary things transforms our imagination so that we can see and hear and feel God in our everyday habits. In our text for today, Jesus simply shares a meal with his disciples. But in that meal... He offers himself to them in a special way. We call it the Last Supper because it's the last supper that Jesus ate with his disciples before his crucifixion and death. But we could just as easily call it the First Supper. Because before this, a meal was just a meal. But because of Christ's resurrection, every meal is transformed. And every time we sit down to eat, whether on our own or with others, we are reminded of the sacrifice that ended all sacrifice. Of the covenant of God that saves us from our sins. In washing, in eating, the eternal, infinite God breaks through time and space. To be with us in our everyday habits. Through the blessings of the sacraments, God comes to us in our everyday lives. Through the rituals of Sunday, the blessing of Christ bleeds into the rest of our week. Through our everyday habits, all of life is transformed into thin space. The novelist Madeline Langle, who I referenced earlier in the sermon, she wrote the, the A Wrinkle in Time series. She captures this idea of thin space in this beautiful poem called At Communion. And I'd like to share that with you as we close out the sermon today. In this poem about coming to the table, Madeline Langle captures in beautiful language how these very ordinary, very earthly, very physical rituals confront us with an extraordinary, heavenly, spiritual reality as the thin walls of our world are broken and the presence of God breaks through with brilliant power. At Communion. By Madeline Langle. Whether I kneel or stand or sit in prayer, I am not caught in time, 
nor held in space. But thrust beyond this posture, I am where time and eternity come face to face. Infinity and space meet in this place, where crossbar and high upright hold the one in agony and in all love's embrace. The power and helplessness that was begun when all the brilliance of the flaming sun contained itself in the small confines of a child now comes to me in this strange action done in mystery. Break me. Break space, O wild and lovely power. Break me. Thus I am dead. Am resurrected now in wine and bread. Break me, thus I am dead and resurrected now in wine and bread. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Lord our God, merciful and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the sacrifice that he made 2,000 years ago to forgive our sins and reconcile us to yourself. We thank you that you come to meet us in your word and that through the ordinary rituals of washing and eating, you break through the walls of this world as the divine infuses our every day, as the extraordinary breaks into our ordinary. And Lord, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would transform our imaginations, transform our sight, transform our senses, so that we can see you and hear you and smell you and feel you and taste you in this world. Oh Lord our God, we pray that every drop of water would be a baptism for us. We pray that every bite of bread would be communion for us. That every ritual, everyday, mundane habit of our lives would point us to you and would transform us into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Break us, O Lord our God, for we are dead. And resurrect us now in wine and bread. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray.